Welcome to Event Experience by Bizabo, the podcast where we bring the best and brightest event experience leaders together to share stories, tips, and lessons learned from creating some of the world's biggest events. I'm Javiva Gordon-Bennett, Senior Editorial Content Manager here at Bizabo. This week, we're speaking with the industry's top experts about the next wave of in-person events. Monique Ruff-Bell is the head of conferences at TED. Tanya Kapaz is the first woman executive director of Somos Inc. And Paul Micavinci is the co-founder of Product Collective. They're joined by Kiana Shamlu, product marketing manager here at Bizabo. Monique, Tanya, and Paul have all hosted in-person events in the past six months, and they'll be sharing their insights and experiences with us today. In this episode, they'll explain how attendees' in-person expectations have changed, what you can do to prevent problems before they arise, and what the future of event planning and innovation looks like. This conversation was based on a session from Bizabo's Event Experience Summit. Our flagship event brings leading event professionals together for panels, roundtables, and masterclasses to help you level up your event expertise. If you want to explore our most recent Event Experience Summit, check out the link in the show notes to watch the sessions on demand. And now on to our conversation with Monique, Tanya, Paul, and Kiana. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next session in this event. So if you are here, you are excited for Ask the Experts, a playbook to nail your next IRL event. And for anyone who doesn't know, IRL is in real life. And so uh, my name is Kiana Shamlu, and I am a product marketing manager here at Bizabo. And I have the honor of being joined by some really fantastic people who are going to be sharing fantastic insights with you today. So now let's go ahead and meet these fantastic people that we have for you today. And just so you know, anyone who is visually impaired, we're going to pause uh, for a few seconds to describe our uh, surroundings. And so know that Kiana here, I am in a blue shirt with some fun pastel earrings and a generally white background. And so then as our speakers uh, begin sharing insights today, they'll also do the same. And so with that, our first speaker is Monique Ruff-Bell, who is the head of conferences for TED, where she leads a dynamic team in the managing, planning, and execution of, of TED's flagship global conferences, TED's member events, and virtual events. And prior to this exciting role at TED, she was a vice president for Money 2020 USA. And so her role encompassed setting the show vision and strategy with the global president planning the execution, the P&L management, and sales and marketing support and performance. So a super impressive resume there for Monique. And then Tanya serves as the executive director of Somos Inc., a not-for-profit that works in collaboration with the New York State Assembly, Senate Puerto Rican, and Hispanic Task Force to host two annual conferences in Albany, New York, and Puerto Rico and to ensure the upward mobility of Latino youth through educational empowerment, mentorship, and scholarships. And then finally, we have Paul, who is a co-founder of Product Collective, a worldwide community of product people who meet annually at Industry, which is the product conference. Um, in recent years, he led business development at DXY, a leading product design firm in the Midwest, and product innovation at MedCity Media which is a publishing startup acquired by Breaking Media in 2015. So all that to say, we made a huge effort to make sure we have a diverse group of people here today from 
small companies to large, different types of backgrounds, but something that they all have in common is that they have hosted in-person events since COVID. So with that, let's go ahead and get started with talking to these amazing folks. Hello, everyone. So happy you're here. So the Hi. first question that we have, would love for all of you to weigh in. So again, uh, give us your name and a brief description of your background for anyone who might be visually impaired. And so first question that we have on deck for you, now that you've all hosted in-person events, how have audience expectations changed since 2019? Who should take it first? Should I take it first? Go for it, Monique. Okay, great. Um, so uh, I am wearing a black shirt, a brown jacket, and a very colorful background full of art. Uh, so that's the best way I can kind of describe myself. But I was lucky enough to host uh, two in-person events, one that took place in October of 2021, which was about 8,000 plus people for Money 2020. And then when I moved over to TED, our flagship conference, which took place in Vancouver in April for close to about 2,000 attendees. And so I have to say, these people are so excited to be out and about again. They're like, I left those kids. I'm doing everything. Like they want to do all the parties. They want to, they, they're not dropping off on the sessions. They are sticking around and really just, just a high level of engagement. And so, you know, knowing that people are excited to be there, you have to make it worth their while. Um, and so we made sure that there was some type of recharge or experiential or interactive experience throughout the entire show, um, entertainment making sure that they had the opportunity to connect as often as possible. But with that high level of engagement, there was a high level of exhaustion. Like these people were not used to talking to so many people in, in such a long time, hanging out late or anything like that. So coming back the next day, if you did a multi-day event, you definitely had to give more time, more grace and more leeway and to people having the opportunity to recharge again. For people to have having an opportunity to sit, we put a lot more seating uh, than we did in previous years. Um, so we really knew that people were highly excited, but they could get highly tired quite fast. And so we really kept that in mind when we're doing that. And then just health and safety. Like we made sure we still had testing that was happening. You can grab a mask that was available for them for free. We had social distancing spaces. So people who were just, they were done with being around a lot of people. There were quiet zones that can happen for them. So we were really just making sure we were doing as much as we could for the attendee to really enjoy and feel well taken care of when it came to the experience. I, I can jump that. in now if you want. In exhaustion. Yes, please, Paul, go for it. Sure. So, well, I'm surrounded by, well, my background is not a fake book uh, library. It is a real one. <laughs> um, and I got a circular mirror that we found somewhere in a, an antique store once upon a time. And here I am wearing something very, just black and plain. <laughs> but I'm very pleased to meet you. Um, um, you. You heard a little bit about my background. I guess I'm probably the representative of a small organi organization. We are one of the biggest conferences for product management managers in the world. And we have our, an event in Cleveland and in Ireland and New York every year. Um, but we, as a more, uh, small organization, which is three full-time employees, there have been, uh, 
there have been unique, I think, things that we need to, we need to have had done in order to have survived this pandemic. Um, so it's been a really interesting experience. Um, but on the audience expectations of the conference, I think, well, first of all, the, the event that we organized most recently was in New York. That was the New York product conference in March. And we had over 300 people attend, which was about, uh, 80% of the capacity of the venue. Um, and about the same as attended the, before the pandemic. So audience numbers were surprisingly high. Now we were expecting the audience to have very particular needs and wants and, uh, um, expectations in regards to COVID, um, uh, uh, safety practices. So we made a lot of effort to have hand sanitizers everywhere. We were mandated by law to have masks in the venue. Um, we had, a we made a special effort to have the food served in a manner that would be kind of not icky, uh, a little kind of, uh, a, a, a more of kind of a healthy presentation. Um, so there were our expectations, but once we got there and we started talking to people, it, it, it kind of flew out the window. People were less, less concerned about their safety. I, 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 I hasten to say than that we are, that we expected. And so people came, they were wearing the masks. They were allowed to take them off when they were networking and eating. And that seemed to have come as some relief to them. Um, and after the event, we had this off, off venue party, which most of the people turned up to. And at the, in that location, there was no mandate. Everybody had their masks off for better, or for worse. You know, it's, 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 it's your own opinion, whether you think that's a good idea or a bad idea, but everybody was, was out, they were drinking, they were having a great time. And, and, and it felt like we had got over a heap. It got up like got over a hump. I mean, um, which is, which is a little skin out cause we see things kind of bubbling forward and getting a little bit worse. And so we have to look, I know we're going to talk about the future later on in this conversation, but in general, my expectations were that people would be more cautious than they actually were. Awesome. Tanya, what about you? Hi everyone. I'm excited to be here. My background is not quite as exciting as everyone else's kind of blurred, but it's just a brick wall. I'm wearing a black shirt. My hair is out, usually curls. Um, but I will have to agree with both Paul and Monica. People were excited. Um, before COVID, you know, we had our Albany conference kind of set out. And literally right before the shutdown in New York, um, Honestly, I think it was like a day or two. That's when it happened. So we ended up having to cancel. So having our Puerto Rico conference in all in um, November that just passed was actually very exciting because everyone that was planning to come to Albany was excited to just show up to Puerto Rico. Um, so I think just to say everyone was excited. We did have our standard protocols. We made sure everyone was tested just so that everyone did feel safe and followed whatever guidelines were for the site. But once everyone realized one of the things that we did make sure was everyone had to be tested. Um, and also I think what we did was a vaccination requirement for anything that was on the host hotel property um, in order to make sure that we maximized, we were able to use the space to full capacity. But outside for that, once everyone realized and they were in, and it was kind of up to them. People kind of put their guard down as the days went by. And the same thing, we usually do a big farewell event at the last day. And I have to say that we actually sold out for the first time in history. Um, and I couldn't 
keep up with with what we we anticipated. We picked a smaller hotel. Um, we did all of these things thinking that and moving on on the basis of fear and just to be cautious. But in reality, everyone was just excited to be back and and quite honestly are have started talking about we can't wait for the next one. So it's really just building off of the momentum, but making sure that we do provide that that space, the safety that people and give them that option. If you choose to put your mask down, that's on you. But just making sure that we have those those, you know, spaces for, or like quiet spaces and such, um, even meeting spaces because we're having the conference, but people are still they're still in the middle of work. So they may have to have their their little um, meetings or breakouts um, with their teams back wherever they come from. Generally, most people are from our New York base, even when they go to Puerto Rico. So just making sure that we are also mindful of that. Absolutely. I love that you were talking about, you know, the the fear and the caution, but also I'm sure it wasn't, it was everything that you described, but also, I mean, you have budgets, right? And it's, it's, it's better to sometimes be more conservative, especially with all the unknowns that you had to, to, you know, manage. So absolutely. I know in the, in the chat, it sounds like uh, Bridget loved the quiet zone idea and Karen said amen to exhaustion. So you know, even as an extrovert, I feel that too. So thank you so much. I love that was a great way to start it. So with that, we just talked about audience expectations and, and some of the changes that you made. Monique, can you talk us through how the attendee experience uh, during these in-person events in late 2021, early this year, how they're different from the same events that you may have hosted in 2019? Absolutely. So people, we, we brought in a consulting agency to, t to do some research on the market and what was happening with people going back to in-person events, going back to travel. And, you know, some of the stuff that we got back was really eye-opening. You know, people are not going to be traveling as much as they used to when it comes to work. So they're not going to be road warriors in the same way. So if they went to seven, eight, nine, ten events in the past, they're only going to go to three. And so if you are you want to be one of those three, what are you going to do to make sure that it's unique, it's impactful, it's entertaining, it's educational, and it's a connector? And so we had to make sure that our event checked all of those four boxes. And that means we had to scrap everything that worked for us in the past few years, when it came to what I was doing at Money 2020, we threw out the grid format for our floor plan. We decided we were bringing in all new stage designs. We just wanted to, we knew that we, wouldn't, we couldn't get to the 11,000 that we used to because people still had COVID hesitancy. But if you were going to take the time and the opportunity to come out to our show, you were going to have a phenomenal experience. And you were going to see different things, even if you've been coming for 10 years and you were going to do different things. And so we, like I said, on our trade show floor, no more grids. We created like a circle discovery uh, trade show floor. So it's like follow the, the yellow brick road um, and see what you happen to bump into, which was hugely successful because even people did say, oh, I got lost, but I uh, discovered something so unique just from walking this way. We made sure that we had a lot of things that uh, connected people in a very serendipitous way. So going into certain activations where you would find a partner, you would connect with someone. Um, it wasn't just about an individual experience. Um, making sure that our food and beverage aspect was really, really important because people still had 
COVID hesitancy. So we didn't let anybody serve themselves because, you know, we knew people were like, if people are hovering or touching, I don't want to eat that. So we had a lot of to-go items where it was already packaged or we paid the extra cost for all of our food to be served because we wanted people to feel comfortable that we were being very thoughtful um, about how they were going to interact with the food. Um, we also did a concert experience for them. So we cleared out part of our floor and had Journey come and perform for about 3,000 plus people and they rocked it and it was crazy. And it was something, you know, we, we've never done in the past. We usually do entertainment celebrity experiences in small clubs, but we were like, you know, people might not want to go all of these different places. Let's just kind of make sure that we can bring in something um, really unique there. And then at TED, it really, really was exceptional about connections and how do you make sure that you're putting not only these crazy VR, recharge, race car driving, these dinners, these offsite activities, but how are you making sure the thread of connection is a part of all of that? How are you going to bump into someone you never would have bumped into? How, how could you have a great conversation that you never knew was going to happen? Um, and so we made sure that we infused a lot of surprise and delight, a lot of exploration, a lot of participation, and just really had a blast putting this together. And it worked. That's amazing. I love the circular idea. I don't know that I've ever experienced that. And I feel like it would be a joy to experience. That's awesome. I can, I can um, jump in there. Uh, I will say that, you know, our approach has always been to create the most engaging event we can possibly create. You know, uh, our Cleveland event has about 1200 people attended in 2019. So that's, that's the size of the event. And we we're always intent on create an experience in which you will um, serendipitously meet people you never thought you were going to meet and you're going to be engaged from the very beginning with fantastic speakers and, and other networking and um, other experiences. Um, I will say that there isn't a lot more that we're preparing for in terms of experience um, um, thanks to this COVID stuff other than the fact that we're going to separate the chairs more. Like we, one of the big pieces of feedback we get every year is that everybody's kind of bunched up, which is okay um, when there's no COVID, but when COVID's around, we, we need to take care of that. So um, spreading the chairs out a bit more than usual. And then we have these balconies in the venue that we have and that we'll be, we'll be utilizing that, those more than we were before. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of business, business as usual, as long as you're kind of doing, doing a good job from this very beginning. I have heard of some events doing things like having uh, wristbands with, you know, green, uh, yellow and red kind of identifying how close or how, how comfortable you are being around people. And the, what I've heard is that everybody picks up the green or maybe some of the yellows, but you know, there's one guy who picks up the red one and, and he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. So I'm not quite, quite sure if initiatives like that are a good idea. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're kind of just business as usual, just trying to put on the best show we can possibly can. Absolutely. Thank you for adding that in. I think what I heard from what you're sharing, from what you both shared in that, is that it's watching, it's listening, it's taking feedback, it's adjusting. And um, what worked maybe six months ago, maybe the same thing won't work six months from now. And it's and it's continuing to, you know, just see what 
the appetite is and, and what the reactions are. So I love that. Um, Tanya, I've heard you are a mighty team of one and there is so much that you manage. And so very, very excited for you to shed some fantastic insights uh, with us. So question for you, can you please talk to us about the unique activities that you incorporate into your in-person events, especially because they're so cause-based and, and there's just so much there. So please shed some wisdom on us, please. So the purpose essentially of the Sonos Conference is really to connect with others and to, and to from all different fields, whether it's your government-related, community-based, you run a corporation, there's a whole mix that comes to Somos, but the main focus is to connect with one another. Um, we do have a lot of elected officials that come out. So we want to make sure that whatever we plan is, is conducive for, for everyone. Um, so outside of our workshops, um, we always do a, a workshop day. It used to be our conference runs the course of four days. It used to be every day was filled with just different types of workshops because people were saying, oh, I need to be able to go to different things. We ended up a few years ago adding a day of service because what we realized is even though Puerto Rico is a draw, it's Puerto Rico. So people, instead of attending some of the events, would, as years went by, would go off to the beach, which it's beautiful, of course. Why wouldn't you? So what we started to incorporate was being more mindful with the local economy and the businesses. So we do day of services. So we'll do whether we know we have a lot of educators. Maybe we take after Hurricane Maria, there was a lot of schools that shut down. So we'll do a, an, um, we'll pick a school or a community site. We'll have maybe that there's a lot of labor unions that are coming this year. So we'll, we'll do a full site where it's actually labor intensive and they'll wake up that morning at seven o'clock and be boots to the floor on the ground doing labor intensive work. There may be folks that want to be more culturally based or they just want to see the sites. So we will send out excursion trips. Um, some of them are a little bit smaller based upon where we, we can do them. We used to do them on the other side of the island, but transportation wise, it can be a little difficult to getting back to our evening events. So we try to keep them centrally located to the host hotel. But we'll, instead of just, okay, you're going out, maybe you'll have a rum tasting or you'll learn about cigars. But in that, you're also taking a tour of the farm or distillery. You're also learning about the people that work it. You're, maybe there's a more hands-on approach. Maybe we'll have like a, a workshop where it'll teach you and you'll maybe you'll take something home. We do tours where not only are you just calmly doing a tour, but at the end of the tour, you may actually go in and paint a room, be part of a mural. What we hope people take from each of these day of service is that the organizations will continue to work with some of the people that are in Puerto Rico, because what we want is to build that lasting connection. People that come, it's basically mixing in business with leisure, but also some philanthropic <laughs> you know, uh, points. So we try to do that and just give a little piece to everyone. People have actually, they'll bring their kids. And for some people, the Solos Conference has been a tradition. So if you've been attending for 20 plus years, 
every year you may recall, oh, I went and I did this site. Maybe you go back to your family, you'll continue to go there. So we just try to be mindful of, of every piece of it. When, when you come in, maybe your, your, your gift bag has a chocolate in there. Well, the chocolate comes from the factory or farm that you may travel to at some point during that conference. Your gift bag was probably printed from somebody in Puerto Rico. So what we try to do with it is being very mindful of also giving back to the local economy while we are there. Even though we can source some of these items elsewhere, we try to give back as much as we can. So that way there's always a connection and people look forward to what are we going to do next year? So this year we're actually going to be adding more sites because as I said, our sites will pack up. And people have other options. If you don't get onto a site, maybe you go to the beach or you go and venture off to one of the other suggested locations that are on the list that are nearby. So that's kind of how we try to blend a little business, a little leisure time on your vacation, kind of, um, but also giving back to the local community. And I love that. I love that because oftentimes we talk about the community within your event, but then your event is within the broader community of wherever it's being hosted. So I love that that you put such such a focus on that. That's so beautiful. Um, fantastic. Paul, next question for you. And then we will open it up to uh, open Q&A. So please pop that into the Ask the Speaker chat if anything comes to mind. Paul, what advice would you have for planners working on in-person and hybrid events for the second half of 2022? Uh, I'm glad you asked because uh, this is some, a point that I definitely wanted to touch up on. Um, in March of 2020, um, we possibly had the very last conference to be held in Ireland. Um, it was meant to be for about five or 600 people. And we had about half of those turn up the very day after our event, all events were banned in the country. And, um, <laughs> actually two days afterwards, they banned travel back into the U S so thankfully we got back into the country, but I do recall getting on the plane and thinking about our event that was coming up, our flagship event that was coming up in September, um, that we were expecting about 1200 people for. Now we had already, um, sold hundreds of tickets for this event and we sat there thinking, okay, this is a huge liability we have. And we're, we're, as I said before, we're a fairly small operation with three full-time employees. So having sold that number of tickets is, is quite a liability to have that, you know, cash in hand. Um, especially when it's being pushed back into other, uh, you know, business operations that you might be running. So I will say for, uh, an event that's coming up in the fall, um, although we may not need to be that careful, um, in that we might expect no event to happen. Um, you will have to prepare yourself for all eventualities. So, uh, we, our event is in the middle of September and it, there's every chance that we might just fill it up like we normally do. We might have over a thousand people. Um, but then again, we might have 60 to 70% of the people who are going to come. And that's probably the most likely circumstance that we're preparing for. But there's also the chance that nothing will happen, you know, uh, like, you know, touch wood that, that we wouldn't come to that. But what my point is that your business operations and your PL should, uh, rep should be, uh, rep representative of the danger there and the liabilities that you have. Um, from, for an event that, um, either will go ahead in a smaller manner or may not go ahead at all. Fantastic. Thank you. And that 
we have, I know we have a few minutes left. And so that leads us into a great kind of final, maybe two part question, or feel free to answer one part if, if it intrigues you more than the other. Um, did you have a, a hybrid strategy for an event that you recently planned, or do you have one for an event that's coming up? And then on the other side of that, if you prefer to take on the idea of contingency planning, obviously, uh, I know you just touched on a lot of that uh, just now. Um, any of the three of you, can I, let's talk through that in the last few minutes of this discussion. Monique, um, feel free to. <laughs> so from contingency planning, um, we had to get, so Ted brings together a lot of well-known people and speakers um, to our stages. And the world is a little bit different now. And so we had a huge protest that happened outside of our event um, because we had Bill Gates as a speaker. And so we had anti-vax protests happening that we would have never had to experience before um, because of that. And so we had security planning but we had to add on more layers of that. And, and, and the venue being flexible and having contact with not just our private security, but with the local police force, because we did have to put barriers up with bodies, the police officers being the bodies of barriers um, at one point to keep the protesters from coming close into the venue. Now, let me tell you about my attendees. They didn't care. They were just walking through the protesters getting in the door and getting into Ted and just looking back and going about their business. Um, but we also made sure that we emailed them and sent texts through our app to say there is an anti-vax protest. We communicated often with them about it. Here are some other ways for you to get into the, the building and other entrances or whatever. I had uh, someone run out, take pictures so that we can post the pictures in the emails that we were sending them to say, take, go left go right, do this, do that. Um, and so in this new world where you might be bringing some figures who may not have been as controversial in the past who are now controversial to people, you do have to think about security and safety for your, your attendees. Um, and we didn't think it was going to be like that, but it was about a good thousand people that kind of showed up for that and that we had to. And it was only one day, um, the day that he was speaking, but it was a big deal. And it, we had, thank God, we had um, contingency planning from a security uh, perspective to be able to handle that. That's, wow. I mean, props to your team for handling that on the fly. That's amazing. Unfortunately, I mean, this time flew by for me. I think it did for all of us. So I wanted to say thank you so much for your time today, all three of you. This was fantastic. And hopefully the audience found it super valuable. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. We appreciate it. What a fascinating and inspiring conversation. Thanks again to Monique, Tanya, Paul, and Kiana for joining us on Event Experience today. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, we would really love to hear it. Connect with us on social media and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you're listening right now. And don't forget to share the show with your colleagues and friends. We would really appreciate it. As always, you can find transcripts of each episode plus key takeaways on bizabo.com slash podcasts. On behalf of the entire team, thank you. We'll be back soon with a new episode of Event Experience. Mm -hmm.